PeoriaCamerShop.com. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Bunch of stuff out there to talk about. Uh, I love Lex Friedman's podcast. I, I really do. I think he does a great job. Even if I don't always uh, agree with the things he says or his guests say, um, I, I just think the the way it's delivered and the the research that goes into it, a bunch of things are valuable. Uh, Tucker Carlson was the latest guest on Lex Friedman's podcast. Uh, Tucker Carlson, someone who was recently made fun of. Uh, by um, um, by John Stewart, and it was pretty funny, even if it was again something some might disagree with. Uh, others uh, might, you know, be able to laugh and also uh, know you don't disagree with people. Anyway, I just find so much of this interesting that Tucker is he's getting his opinion out uh, a lot of different ways. He's getting a lot of media coverage. Uh, this is his quote masterful, according to some, description of the 2020 election and why it was unfair or rigged or stolen or whatever word you want to use. Now, granted, I've had a bunch of debates on this show uh, with a buddy of mine, Mark Strauss, about what I, I can and can't see, what is and isn't out there as far as receipts on this sort of claim goes. Uh, but all of this is stuff I agree with. All of this is stuff that easily makes sense and stuff that was essentially told to us was was legal and thus, you know, not cheating. Uh, but you f- kind of feel like some of it was sort of cheating when you look back. Here's Tucker. Was one hundred percent stolen? Are you like joking? it was rigged to a, that large of a yeah, degree. They they completely change the way people vote. They did right before the election on the basis of COVID, which had nothing to do. So with in that way, that. it was rigged. Meaning percent, like, and then manipulated. Then you censor the information. Manipulated. I don't even know if you'd say it that way. By the way, uh, is what I would respond to Lex Friedman. I would say that that it was an advantage for Democrats to have a whole lot of mail-in ballots be available in a whole lot of places where they used to not be all that available. People are allowed to get anyone who complains about COVID, which is like, by the way, it might have hurt Trump. But, I mean, it's like, whatever. I mean, you could play it many different ways. You can't have censorship in a democracy, by definition. Here's how it works. The people rule. They vote for representatives to carry their agenda to the capital city and get it enacted. That's how they're in charge. And then every few years, they get to reassess the performance of those people in an election. In order to do that. I love I love that description, by the way, of how how we are supposed to do stuff. We're supposed to reassess if we are uh, confident in those that we sent to Washington or attempting to send someone that maybe we didn't get to go to Washington that we wanted to. Uh, That's a very simplistic definition or description of how our political process is supposed to work. They need a they need access, unfettered access to information. Right. And no one, particularly not people who are already in power, is yeah. allowed to yeah. tell them what information they can yeah, have. Yeah, that's have true. All information right. that they want, whether the people in charge want it or don't want it or think it's true or think it's false, it doesn't matter. That is absolutely correct. I agree with all that, that that we should have access to all the information. And yes, everybody says misinformation and disinformation, but you can't trust the people who run the country to be the ones to decide what's what's true and what's false. It's sort of like every time the Pfizer CEO did an interview about needing the covid vaccine. And he was making money off of the vaccine. Like, interview doctors was sort of okay, I guess. But interviewing the guy who's financially going to benefit from telling you you need to do something, that just seemed odd. And the same feels very true when you turn to the government to tell you what's true and what's false. Uh, that seems like a real bad idea. I think it's called state media in a lot of other places. But honestly, I again, I agree with everything that Tucker said there. If you want to call the 2020 election unfair 
or or rigged or stolen or whatever words you want to use, you don't have to go the road of trying to validate whether or not ballot boxes in certain places were scooped out from under tables late at night and ballots were stuffed places they shouldn't have been stuffed. You could go the easy road. You could go the, you know, they changed a lot of rules in ways that didn't really seem to match what uh, they're supposed to do as far as a process to change that rules. And it, it seemed to really help one guy. Uh, because actually both candidates got more votes than anyone has ever gotten in the history of our country. Uh, but one individual seemed to get even more. And honestly, the other stuff that he's saying, too, about the censoring of information, the doubt about some of what we had done policy-wise uh, via COVID, which now many, many doctors and people who even advocated for some of those things are admitting we got wrong. Keeping schools shut down as long as they were shut down is something that most professionals in that, uh, you know, uh, world now admit they got wrong. And there's a bunch of other examples just like that. And having that information sooner might have been valuable. And then, of course, Hunter Biden's laptop, whatever else you want to say. Uh, but controlling the message and then also changing the rules are, in fact, ways to rig something in your favor uh, without having to go full conspiracy theory and show someone or prove to someone uh, that there's a whole bunch of dead people that voted, uh, per se, uh, which is typically somewhat harder. Uh, I'm not trying to pretend as though I'm a huge fan of Tucker Carlson all the time either. And I know I've been playing a lot of his audio recently. I just can't help it that that is a very easy to understand and easy, I think, to agree with a message. And I think Democrats would be complaining at the the doorsteps themselves if they thought that some late last minute rule change uh, cost them an election. And actually, I'll go ahead and play this because they're already putting out there that there might be ways in which Trump will be nominated and it won't be legitimate. Uh, This is uh, Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, saying that he thinks Russia might try to rig the election again, like he said they did and like a lot of Democrats said they did in 2016. Are there concerns or is there even evidence that Russia is planning to interfere in the 2024 election, Jake? I can't speak to evidence today, but I can tell you, of course, (laughs) I already I already stop it. I'm such a fan of that. Like when I push so hard to have receipts, 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 it's always what I want to know definitively that something is true and to tell you it's true. The reason I do that is I don't want to play the games of the other side of the aisle. I hate the other side of the aisle or any side of an aisle when they say, I don't need to tell you with any sort of proof, but this is what I'm going to say. Everything you say after I have no proof is meaningless. Their concerns. There is a history here in presidential elections uh, by the Russian Federation, by its intelligence services, and there's plenty of reason uh, to be concerned. And this is not about politics. This is about national security. Uh-huh. It is about a foreign country, a sure. foreign adversary right. seeking uh, to manipulate yeah. the politics and democracy of the United States of America. How dare they? How dare they do that stuff? We like to manipulate it ourselves. Is what he should have said. That would have been way better. But I I just love this so much because it seems like this is just going to be the thing now. Uh, No matter what side of the the political aisle, uh, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, win an election, especially a giant one like the president of the country, the other side is going to claim that it was stolen or corrupt or crap somehow. And it doesn't matter who it is. It, It seems like this is now the new the new move. 
Uh, Democrats did it in 16. Uh, Trump and Republicans, some Republicans have done it in 20. And it sounds like Democrats are already teeing up the idea that it's going to happen in 2024 uh, because Biden's poll numbers do not look good. Uh, he's not doing well. And I have a bunch of stuff to talk about there as well, too. I don't know. I just can't get over this. How crazy. Like the hypocrisy is so great sometimes that you just you can't dismiss it. You can't forget about it. You can't move on from it. You just sit there and you're like, do you know what you just said? Do you understand the words you just used and how mad you are when somebody on the other side says that exact same thing? Am I even really hearing this right now? Those are the kind of ways I'd like to react. All right. I'll take a break. A lot more in a bit. Uh, although everybody else won't take a break. We got a lot more coming up. Uh, AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3. and F- IRAs. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, just quickly, I want to throw out there that late night with Seth Meyers actually had a rating dip when they put the president of the United States on television. You don't see that very often. Uh, usually, there's some sort of ratings win there, uh, especially with younger viewers. Uh, their twenty five fifty four demographic numbers uh, got worse, uh, quite a bit worse actually, a drop of thirty two percent compared to the same day last year. Um, and apparently they're blaming Biden as a part of this. Or the same day, even last week, it seems like it's down 10%. So, uh, whoopsie, uh, not great. I guess uh, putting Biden on TV is something that young people are very disinterested in. All right, let's do some other stuff uh, that I like out there. Uh, first, I'm pretty sure this is bad for our society in general. I just want to say it that way. I'm, I'm almost positive that this is not a thing that should happen And yet it's happening way more than it should. So a woman who has a bunch of tattoos uh, got arrested. She got arrested for shoplifting and some other stuff. She's 28 years old and she's attractive. I'm not going to lie. She's she's good looking. So she was posted her photo, her mugshot. That's what I should say. Was put up on mugshot hotties. (laughs) The sentence I never thought I'd say on the radio. Mugshot hotties dot com or some sort of social media page. Uh, that goes by that name, went viral. 750,000 people wound up following her on Instagram. And here's the part that's uniquely bad. They gave her money. They just kind of gave her money. She got $24,000 when all was said and done. So when she got out of jail, and I think she only spent like a week or two in, in jail, uh, she was real excited uh, to realize that she has a bunch of money. And she says that people might be saving her life because she's been, you know, uh, down a bad path and she's hoping to go down a better path. You shouldn't be rewarded for going to jail. That that shouldn't be a thing that happens. If she actually turns her life around, great. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's an act of God, uh, not necessarily an act of anybody else if it, if it saves a person. But there's the off chance that it probably doesn't make her behave any better. And then what's the lesson learned? Go to jail, have a hot mugshot taken of you again, and then boom. Get yourself some sweet, sweet cash. This sounds, this seems very, very not good for our society. Uh, That's my entire take on it. All right, I want to play this too. I like this audio, although this is a reenactment. Uh, A woman went viral on social media. She says that she works at Starbucks. She had a a crazy person come in and and push her uh, in a weird way for like a weird discount. So this is not an actual uh, taping of that event. This is the woman doing both voices and trying to recap what happened. And I, I have a unique uh, reaction to what I think is a really, really intelligent attempt at something ridiculous. But we'll get there in a second. Here we go. Horrible. My son forgot his backpack, so now I got to go drop that off. But I need an ice water, and I brought my own cup. Okay, ice water in your own cup. I'll go grab that for you. Wait for okay, it. Get it. Here you go. Have a good day. 
Um, are you going to ring me up? Oh, no, water's free, uh, so you're all good. You're good. See ya. Okay, but I brought my own cup, so <laughs> you can ring me up. Um, Why? I don't have anything to ring you up for. Why would I, I do that? I don't have a button for water I don't want to do that. Uh, in the POS, so you're all set. Have Go a ahead. good day. See ya. Are you unaware of your cup policy? <laughs> um, I love this. But what are you talking about? Bringing in your own cup gets you 25 cents off your drink. Um, <laughs> yes. You're... But your drink is free. You can't have 25 cents off right? of nothing. Uh, but since you're not buying anything, you don't get a cup discount. I am buying a water. A water is zero. <laughs> What's 25 cents off of that? Oh, my God. I love it so much. So this woman thought that she could one quarter at a time uh, take money from Starbucks by bringing her own cup and then asking for something that was free on the menu. And that was the dramatic reenactment of, of said event. Uh, I do think that's genius. Um, I do think it's ridiculous and awful. And I don't know what you're trying to do with those quarters if you actually do get them. Uh, but... There's something about it that, like, I, I can see someone attempting this. I can see a lot of people attempting this. And I, I feel as though it's the only time when I would say that you can put down the treat every customer like the right thing and go ahead and kick this person out of the place that you're working. Most of the time, I think that we have uh, a lack of patience for those who do customer service. Uh, this is the exception to the rule for me. I, I just love it so much. I don't know why. Uh, I also saw this story. I thought this was interesting. Moms are now worried about Peppa Pig. Uh, I don't watch the Peppa Pig. I don't know anything about the Peppa Pig. Uh, the reason they're worried, apparently, is that uh, Peppa Pig's a brat, is what they're saying. I didn't think I'd say Peppa Pig this many times on the radio. Uh, it's a wildly popular uh, English cartoon show, and she's kind of a jerk to people. She's, she's, I guess, snarky, or the way that they say it in the U.K. is that she's, you know, um, just a brat, is what they're saying here. Um, but what I love so much about it, and I know there's like audio pieces I could play where she's like hanging up on people if they can whistle and she can't whistle. But but think about just the the idea that when I was a kid and I watched cartoon shows uh, and cartoon shows were awesome, uh, that the lesson was always to be a good person. Uh, you know, like the Care Bears hugged each other. Um, I remember the Ninja Turtles fought crime and ate pizza. Uh, there's a lot of the Ghostbusters did good stuff. G.I. Joe. Uh, the more you know kind of stuff out there, too. Uh, knowing it's half the battle, I think, is G.I. Joe specifically. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it seems like stuff has changed. Now being snarky, now being uh, a little bit of a brat, apparently is something that kids love, and then they copy it. Uh, they're supposed to, I guess, be mean to some of the people in their lives now because that's what Peppa Pig would do. Um, you could tell them not to watch this stuff. Uh, you could you could say that you're not allowed to watch that television show. Although I feel like it's weird too if parents had to outlaw Peppa Pig from their children. Uh, that seems like that's uh, a bit too far. All right, I want to play one other last piece of audio that I absolutely love today, and I'll probably play it again. I assume you're going to hear this more than once on the show today because I just I can't help it. So apparently in Germany, uh, just before the Super Bowl, they played a version of football, American football, on ice. So they're not wearing skates. They're wearing shoes. They're trying to run on ice and play this game. And it's the funniest thing you could possibly imagine. So funny, in fact, that I actually think the German language call of a touchdown and a missed field goal where a guy fell over while trying to kick the ball are so good I have to play them. I will warn you, though, since his German accent is strong and since the language uh, uh, there makes you think you're in trouble all the time, no matter what they're saying, you might think you're getting yelled at as I play this. 
Es geht über, da ist er, es geht über Ailton, kleines dickes Ailton mit dem Touchdown. Yeah. Stefes, sehr, sehr schöne Lauftechnik da, das soll er sich sparen, das ist arrogant, das ist taunting, das wird in der NFL. So, Axelstein, Axelstein, Touchdown. Oh my God, it's so good. It's We need ice football in the United States as soon as humanly possible. We need to put shoes on people and not skates on people and ask them to play the same sport that we love to watch, uh, but not on ice because that makes it better. It's sort of like any show they put on where eventually they'll put that show on again on ice. We need football on ice and we need it now. And this guy needs to do all the calls in German, even if I don't understand. That's totally fine. All right, I'll take a break on that. Uh, I, I, I'll take a break. News will not. They'll keep doing stuff. Stay with us. Uh, news is coming up next. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3. Uh, you can stream us at WMBDRadio.com or listen anywhere. Uh, tell your smart speaker to play WMBD Radio. Here's TJ Carson live and local in the WMBD Radio Newsroom. Craig Hunter Biden is answering House GOP questions in a closed-door deposition today. Democrats are saying case closed, calling this impeachment inquiry a deep-sea fishing expedition, a fairy tale. Hunter Biden calling it today a MAGA-motivated conspiracy. The focus on speakerphone is important to the investigation after Hunter Biden admitted to me last time he was on Capitol Hill that he did put his dad on speakerphone during business meetings. But Republicans also want to know about texts they obtained where Hunter threatened a Chinese business partner and mentioned he was sitting with his father, Joe Biden. Fox Business's Hillary Vaughn on Capitol Hill. Republicans are calling Hunter Biden's testimony a key piece of their impeachment inquiry into President Biden. The White House has dismissed the inquiry as a baseless political stunt. More or WMBDRadio.com. The victim in Peoria's third homicide of this year has now been identified. Peoria County Coroner Jamie Harwood says 37-year-old Denarius Barrett, Barnett, excuse me, of West Peoria, was pronounced deceased at the scene of a stabbing last night just after 10.30 p.m. Harwood says an autopsy revealed he suffered a single stab wound to the chest and suffered detrimental internal trauma and bleeding, likely dying seconds after. Denarius Barnett was found by police with a stab wound to the chest just before 10 p.m. on West Virginia in between Isabel and Broadway. Peoria police say 31-year-old Jeremy Barnett was taken to the Peoria County Jail on a charge of first-degree murder in relation to the stabbing. Three teenagers in Knox County are in trouble with the law after they allegedly decided to throw concrete off a bridge and onto passing cars. The Knox County Sheriff's Department says 19-year-old Mason Stone and 18-year-old Grant Euler and Hayden Herschelman were arrested Monday and faced charges of theft, burglary, criminal trespass to property, vehicular endangerment, and criminal damage to property. Sheriff Jack Harlan says they had received a number of reports of concrete items being thrown from interstate and highway overpasses, most recently Monday, hitting a vehicle. One instance happened on U.S. 34 in Knox County, another on Interstate 74, both near Galesburg. Deputies determined transmission fluid was also being poured from the overpass. The three were taken to jail. The county prosecutors did not file petitions to have them held until trial, so they were released. It's Senior Night at Carver Arena tonight as the Bradley Braves host Southern Illinois. Pre-game at 635 with tip-off at 7 here on 1470, 100.3 WMBD. WMBD News is brought to you by Uftering Weston. Take advantage of attractive offers on new Cadillac models all month long at Uftering Weston Cadillac in Peoria. Don't just imagine yourself in a new Cadillac. Make it happen today. Find yours at Uftering Weston. 5728, equal housing lender. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Hunter Biden has been testifying behind closed doors—a thing he refused to do because he said that you were going to change 
uh, whatever the message was that he gave uh, you, I guess he was accusing conservatives of being uh, ones who would do that or of Republican politicians. And then we wouldn't know what the truth was. We'd all be confused. Everybody would misshape it. Uh, so the weirdest thing happened. Uh, while Hunter Biden was testifying, politicians started emerging uh, from behind closed doors and just saying stuff to the press. Uh, both sides of the aisle did this. The left and the right did it. I'm going to play audio of Nancy Mace. Uh, Nancy Mace is someone who's getting a reputation more and more for being hard right. Uh, people are saying a lot of things about her that they weren't saying, I guess, when she first took uh, her role in the government. Uh, what I think is most interesting about Nancy Mace, too, is she's attractive. And some people say, oh, that doesn't matter. Why, why does anyone say or care about that? You're, you're a weak dude if you think that uh, an attractive lady uh, is a benefit in the world of politics. And that's, that's very dumb. I've heard that take a lot, and I just find that very dumb. Of course it's valuable. There's so few good-looking people that we send to Washington that it definitely adds to the amount of attention that media plays. It's always been the case. Anyone who's attractive gets more attention than people who don't. This is just how it works, people. But here we go. Here's Nancy Mace complaining about the left showing up in front of the microphone, and then she's saying that, that Hunter's lying. A whole bunch of stuff happened. Hey, how are y'all? Uh, we said we weren't going to do this, but since the left came to the microphone in the middle of the deposition, that I'm going to do the same thing this morning. The two things I'm going to say this morning so far in the first hour is that Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. Yeah. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. Good. Thank you. But um, it's no surprise. It's no shock. Uh, that he is being that way. And okay, okay, I got to stop it right there. So, so the thing that matters the most to me in Hunter Biden testifying behind closed doors is not that he says the words out loud that I gave my dad money or that I included my dad in my business. He said the exact opposite. He said, I did not include my father in any of my business dealings. The most important thing to me is what the business dealings were. Uh, doesn't that part matter? And I don't mean the countries that he worked with. We already know all that. But what was he offering them? What what value did they see in him that they gave him millions of dollars? And you all know the answer to this because it, it hasn't been denied. I don't think Hunter Biden's even denying it behind closed doors, although he's being evasive in how he answers uh, those questions, I imagine. What were you selling? You were selling influence. You were selling access to your father, who was the vice president at the time or, or running for the role of president. And you were getting a crap ton of money on the off chance that when the time came, you'd tap his shoulder and say, go ahead and vote this way on this or go ahead and, and you know, veto that or do whatever you need to do uh, to go ahead and pay off the amount of money uh, that I'm getting from all these other places. That should be wrong in and of itself, even if uh, the politician isn't aware of it, which a lot of us don't believe. But even if it were true. You can't be that bad at your job as a politician to not ask your son where he's getting millions of dollars while you're the vice president. You're like, man, it's crazy. Hunter's business is really taking off all of a sudden. The whole time that I've been in the White House, he seems to be doing real well. And those checks that come in, they have weird language on them that doesn't seem like English. But I'm not going to ask him any questions. It's probably fine. It's insane that D.C. is essentially trying to tell you the most corrupt aspect of Washington, D.C. is the least important one. Like the, the most damaging part is that everybody does this. They all sell influence. They sell access. They sell all kinds of uh, creepy things. And everybody pays each other off. And they're trying to tell you that that part's okay. That the only thing that matters is if money was handed to uh, Joe Biden, then vice president, or running for candidate as president, that's the only time where it's illegal. Anything else is totally fine. It, it, it's insanity. 
Uh, but they're never going to really go that hard against this trend because they all do it. Uh, a lot of people in Washington do this. All right. I haven't mentioned it yet, and I have every intention of mentioning it. Uh, but Mitch McConnell will be stepping down. Uh, he's going to end his run as the um, you know head of the Senate for the GOP, uh, the GOP leader. It's a historic 17-year run, as described, I think, by... Uh, CBS News and and pretty much everybody else. So there there's certainly a respect that has to be provided to someone who uh, stood in a power position or a leader position as long as they did. But Mitch is not a popular Republican right now, not with a lot of people, and certainly unwilling so far to even endorse Trump. It seems like something very um, fascinating is happening. A whole lot of people. Arana McDaniel, the former uh, head of the RNC, too, are being asked a very simple question as the inevitability of Trump as the nominee uh, seems to be getting clearer and clearer. He won big in Michigan uh, just recently. And so as this is happening, it seems that that long term uh, conservative leaders are being asked to support Trump or move aside, step away, get out of the way, because the American people, at least the conservative ones, are saying who they want to be the candidate. And if you can't get on board, then don't let the door kick you on the way out. And it seems like what's happening. Now, granted, Mitch McConnell has also been called Glitch McConnell recently because he keeps freezing mid-sentence, which is the weirdest thing I've, I've seen anybody do. I mean, for all the concern I have of Joe Biden and his mental health and his, anyways, uh, versions of ending sentences, it's way scarier to see someone just stop speaking, stop moving, and just wait for that to go away. So Mitch McConnell, for his own health, is probably stepping down as more uh, as much as any other reason. Uh, but I do believe that you're going to see a lot of those who do not want uh, Trump to be the leader of their party again in 2024 deciding to just give up, deciding to just give in, at least for now even though Nikki Haley is not one to do that. She is not willing to give in or back down, and I don't, I don't really know what the benefit is to Nikki Haley anymore, uh, genuinely. Like, I'm not even trying to say that because I dislike her. I just I don't know what she's still in the race for, uh, other than the amount of money she's getting and how she can test out different shots at Trump to see what sticks so they can use it later uh, when, he, when he's actually running for the role of president. All right, one last thing that I want to say or talk about, and then uh, we'll take a pause in the show and everybody else will take over. Uh, Denver is cutting some city employees hours down to absolute zero. I think Fox News is one of the places that that reported on this. Um, an NBC affiliate, uh, Nine News, actually also covered this locally in Denver. Uh, the reason that they're cutting down this much money for this many city employees is that they don't have it. Uh, their Their budget cuts are because of the amount of money it's costing to support illegal immigrants, to support migrants, as they're called in this story, uh, in that city. The city government is looking to cut $4.3 million in funding from its park and Parks and Recreation Department and use that money toward handling the crisis uh, that has been stressing the city's resources. The main reason this is important to you, the absolute number one thing you should take away from this story, Texas has been dealing with this forever. The border towns have been dealing with with a version of this for so long that sending people other places is demonstrating the reality of the problem. And when you when you see the reality of the issue that you simply can't support uh, this many people who are not allowed to work in this country. I know a lot of people still do find a way to get money under the table, 
But when you have this many people here who, who can't make a living and you choose to support them through our government, uh, then you wind up causing even people with with jobs uh, to lose their paycheck, to lose uh, their you know livelihood because you just can't handle it. And so that that matters. That matters more than saying, you know, if racism plays into these conversations we have or if if any of the other things that people get accused of play into it. We simply can't afford it is the is the reaction that you need to have or these communities can't afford it. New York says they can't afford it. Uh, Chicago says they can't afford it. How many more places uh, need to say that we can't we can't deal with this before we find a solution that doesn't allow for more of a problem that we're struggling with, regardless of what you think of anything else. And, of course, hopefully also support legal immigration and even maybe expand it. Uh, that's something I'm fine with as long as it's it's legal, as long as it's done the right way. I don't get how this is uh, the challenge for people to understand that it seems to be. And I, I do believe that sending people outside of Texas is something that has greatly benefited uh, the conversation itself, because now more communities, more areas of the country are realizing the scope of the problem and saying, oh, oh, yeah, now this is tough. This we can't deal with. All right. Quick break. A lot more. Quick break for me, I should say. Sorry. A lot more. I take a pause. Everybody else doesn't. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, and all over the Internet, WMBDradio.com. Peoria County, flooring.com. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I'm going to get to, to some sillier stuff in just a bit. But first, I do want to talk about the WTVP audit that happened. Um, this, I think, is being reported a few different places. This is, is different from uh, another thing, another investigation that's going on, both a criminal investigation and a federal funding um, investigation that is going on with the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Uh, the uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting is looking at a longer period of time than this audit did. But a Peoria law firm uh, audited uh, July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023. Uh, they posted it on WTVP's website or WTVP did. And it shows a, a substantial loss of money, um, a $870,000 uh, loss in the last fiscal year, uh, mostly blamed on the Peoria Magazine losses, uh, which apparently were about half of what it was costing to run the Peoria Magazine. Um, this is not the totality or the, the full idea of what the um, broadcast corporation is looking into or the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, excuse me. Uh, they're looking back even further, uh, and there are some other um, questions that still exist. But the fiscal year 2023, the station spent $832,328 on programming, $590,549 in production, six. Hundred and sixty-eight thousand four hundred and fifty-six in broadcast operations, uh, according to the audit. Total expenses were five point two million, while total revenue was four point seven million dollars. Uh, last year, the board of directors paused the publication of Peoria Magazine, cut one point five million from the overall budget, and laid off nine employees. Again, uh, they lost eight hundred and seventy thousand in the last fiscal year, mostly from uh, Peoria Magazine. All right, let's do some some lighter things. I do think this is pretty funny. So a young man believes that we all should get into the vending machine business, and he walks through it on social media. Uh, he says that you, sh you should start with friends and family, uh, buy vending machines once you have locations that are willing to to uh, go ahead and, you know, 
uh, house your vending machines. And then at the very end of this video, and I'm just going to play a little bit of the audio, he has a, a giant wad of cash, like all $100 bills. So he's doing quite well. And he even tells you another way, a cheaper way, well, not a cheaper way, but an easier way to get in on the vending machine business if you want to. I just thought it was interesting, and I've heard before that there's good money in vending machines if you know how to do it. Go around your local town, you're going to ask family and friends, can you place a vending machine in their business or their establishment? This is going to be your pitch. Hello, my name is so-and-so, and I'm from so-and-so <laughs> business, and I was wondering if you would like a free vending machine for your location. Yeah. I will service, fill up, and manage the vending machine. You're going to get a lot of no's, but that's okay. Next, what you have to do after you finally get that yes, you have to actually find the vending machine. Okay, this is my favorite part of this tip from this kid. Uh, he doesn't have a vending machine. Uh, he, he goes into businesses without investing any money in uh, what he needs to actually accomplish the goal. And then when someone says yes to him, he goes and buys the vending machine. Apparently, it's worked out for him. Not a great business plan for a lot of people, though. You're going to go over to Facebook Marketplace, offer up in Craigslist, and try to find a vending machine from $300 to $700. All right. After you find a vending machine in this range, you're going to want to go test the vending machines. For a snack vending machine, you want to make sure that all the coils you're spending, you want to make sure it accepts dollars, quarters, nickels, and dimes. Uh -huh. For a drink machine, you want to make sure that it accepts quarters, nickels, and dimes, and, and dollars. Cold. And also, you want to make sure that it gets cold. If it doesn't get cold, don't buy it. If the person <laughs> doesn't let you test the vending machine, don't buy it. Yeah, no, no crap. I understand that I should not buy it if they're not letting me test it to make sure it works. But I just love it. That was my favorite part of the advice early on is, all right, tell your friends and family that you have a vending machine and you love to put it in their business, but you actually have no vending machine and no snacks or no drinks for said vending machine. He goes on to say that you buy all that at Costco or somewhere you can buy it on the cheap. And then you go ahead and start just making a bunch of money. The cash rolls in. Everything is happiness, and you just keep going. I, I don't know. Uh, something about it absolutely screamed to me that it is the exact version of things that you expect from uh, younger people today. It's the I'm going to figure it out when I have to uh, thing. And I'm a millennial, so this is, is self-hate at us as much as Gen Z. And before um, you know, I do whatever it is I'm doing, I don't need a real plan. Uh, the plan will come to me toward the end of the process. Uh, feels like way, way, way too comfortable of a position that many people take. All right. Another thing out there that I liked a lot uh, that I thought was pretty interesting was a uh, woman that was shamed for using her credit card to purchase a bag of chips for a dollar. Uh, she went on social media and complained about it. I don't really need to play the audio, uh, but I love the idea of this topic because I do this all the time. And she actually went on to defend herself by saying that she was taught from a young age that it's more secure to use a credit card than a debit card or have cash on you. So she uses her credit card everywhere she goes. She pays it off every month. She gets points. She gets all kinds of benefits. Uh, that's her description of why she does it. Uh, but she said that someone behind her in line was like, really? One dollar? And you need a credit card? Uh, there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, I know that probably companies don't love it and a lot don't charge you a surcharge. Uh, but I know that they're probably not making as much as if I gave them a physical dollar bill. Uh, but I, I also do this. It's the easiest way to pay for some. And actually, I use Apple Pay on my phone a lot, too. I've had to put stuff back when they, they wouldn't take Apple Pay. And I was supposed to check that going in. That's something the missus would have told me. And then I, I screwed it up. Uh, but this is this is something that I think a lot of us do now. And so I just thought it was interesting that she was getting ashamed for it, that it garnered three million views on social media. And a whole lot of other people said, yeah, I do this, too. Is that an age thing? Is it just people of, of a certain age or younger that are willing to whip out a credit card for a one dollar transaction? Is that something that people of, of a generation beyond mine would refuse to do? They, they would refuse. I don't know. I'd love to have answers from you. You can text me 309-340-4464. 
309-340-4464. If you'd feel ashamed, if you would refuse to do it, any reaction you have uh, to if you would not use a credit card for a one, two, three dollar transaction uh, because there's there's something wrong with that, because I don't think so. And I, as I said, do it quite often. All right. On that, I will take a pause of my show. Uh, news will not. They'll do the exact opposite thing. Uh, AM, it's 1470. FM, 100.3. Uh, everywhere on the WMBD. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, two of the most annoying versions of what I'm going to call political theater are going on, or will be going on over the course of the next week. Uh, the first of those two things is the funding the government political theater. Uh, that's what I call it because it, it's so annoying that this is the only roadblock that allows both sides of the political aisle to actually negotiate and try to work something out. And we shouldn't care, by the way. Like, it doesn't actually impact us anywhere near as much as they tell us it does. So we we shouldn't, like, shut it down, man. Shut it down for a while. We don't want to spend so much money. I'd rather not spend all the dollars that we don't have right now that is making everything more expensive and uh, causing so many of us to have giant credit card debt or, you know, uh, personal loans that we shouldn't have taken out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, There's so many examples of that, that that it doesn't matter as much as they want you to believe it does. So that's political theater. And the fact that they don't fund it long term somehow and just do their jobs without the need to debate about the budget. But if it's a short term deal, which it's likely to be, the reason why is both sides of the political aisle want to revisit again in a few months when they want other stuff. They want to negotiate the other things. And conservatives and the uh, Speaker of the House are looking at the border and how exactly we prevent the craziness that is uh, the wide open border we have right now. And Democrats are trying to look as hard as they can at Ukraine specifically and giving a whole bunch of money to a country that recently admitted they embezzled some of it. That that actually happened. Uh, some of their top people in the defense ministry, while they're in, in a war, uh, took money and kept money that was supposed to go for mortar shells that went into people's pockets anyway. Ukraine admitted that one. Uh, it's, it's interesting to think if there are other ones as well. All right, that's political theater number one. There, there are two. Uh, the second political theater going on is the visiting the border political theater. And I know Trump's doing it. I know Biden's doing it. The reason I dislike it so much is it's irrelevant what your position is on the issue. Uh, at least that's what they believe. I don't believe that to be true. But that's what visiting the border is like if you have no interest in closing it, if you have no interest in fixing it. Uh, that's what Biden's going to do. He's going to show up at the border. He's going to be like, hey, I'm here. I'm looking at this now. A thing that I could fix with a, a swipe of the pen with an executive action or five. And I refuse to do it. But I did say it. And that feels like it's good enough. And Trump's going to go there because, well, it's a win for Trump uh, right now. He has often talked about the border and the need to secure it. He talked about it in 2016. He talked about it in 2020. And for some reason, and I I was saying this, actually, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. That feels weird. Uh, But, well, I just did it. It didn't feel that bad. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm going to be honest. I've been saying for a while that some of the, the things that are becoming main issues for most Americans benefit Trump. Uh, whether or not you like him or you hate him, 
uh, he was talking about some of the issues that wind up being at the absolute top of people's lists, like the border, uh, which is winding up being a bigger and a bigger uh, focal point for so many people uh, in this country as far as this coming election goes. But I, I want to play something uh, different, though. This is audio of a patrol, a Border Patrol agent uh, saying that they catch more illegal um, immigrants coming into our country in Eagle Pass, which is where President Trump will visit, than they do in Brownsville, uh, which is where Biden will visit or is visiting. Uh, what I think is interesting about that is I left a part out that you'll notice in the audio that makes this an even more startling decision for one person to go where the heart of the problem is and for another person to be like, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere kind of close by, but not quite as bad. Definitely with the with the fencing put up and, um, you know, further down, we have the uh, Connex boxes that seem to help. But even still, they still want to just climb over or climb on top of those. And agents here say that they're dealing with these smugglings on a daily basis. They said that they could catch more migrants crossing here in a day than they can in Brownsville in a week. So that's OK, I'll stop it right there. They're in Eagle Pass. Uh, that's where Trump's going. They catch people more in one day in Eagle Pass, Texas, than a week in Brownsville. That's where uh, Biden is going. Seems like somebody's going to where the actual problem is, and somebody else is trying to find the the nicest version of the issue that they're facing. But it's all political theater. It is. And both sides of the aisle participate in this. Trump participates in it. Of course he does. I, I don't think that you could run for the role of president without doing some political theater. And honestly, when Trump does it, he gets a lot of free media coverage. So media is basically begging him to do more stuff. Like once a day, if Trump wanted to, he should go outside and like heave something off a porch. And not something that makes any sense, like hilarious stuff, you know, like a, a Billy Bass or something that's singing fish. Just heave it off a porch somewhere and go back inside and it will be the talk of the town. People would would dissect it and discuss it. The left would say this is the latest sign that he's either a Putin or or broken in his mind. And the right would say that this is definitely a sign uh, that we need to pay attention to and figure out what does Billy Bass mean. And that's all he has to do. And he'll set off like like fireworks, um, all of the different versions of discussion about it. Uh, that's that's a unique place to be in in the world of politics that not many people ever find themselves in in any profession. Uh, whatsoever. All right. Another thing out there that I think is is fairly interesting, of course, is is Hunter Biden testifying behind closed doors, something he refused to do. He said, I'd, I'd hate to do that, uh, mostly because his claim was that they'd reshape the narrative, uh, them being the Republicans who asked him questions uh, behind closed doors and that you'd, you'd believe that he admitted stuff he didn't admit. It seems like that, that challenge has gone away now. I, I guess they no longer fear that. My favorite, though, and it was the same uh, the last time Hunter Biden was around the press, is the stuff that the reporters bring up when they're yelling questions at Hunter Biden. And this is a pretty good one, because a lot of us would have this question. Like if I sat down with Hunter for an interview fairly quickly in the conversation, I would at least make a joke, if not fully bring up my curiosity as to whose cocaine it was that they found in the White House. Here is someone yelling that at Hunter Biden. Members wanted to spend more time talking about my client's addiction than they could ask any question that had anything to do with what they call their impeachment inquiry. So, as I said before, there is no evidence because there is no evidence, and today only confirmed that. Thank you. Will you come back for a public hearing? Will you do a public hearing? Mr. Biden has the cocaine at the White House. 
I, I don't know why I like that so much. Just at the end, he's like, hey, I, I got one. Was it, was it yours? Uh, do you know whose it was? Uh, they're at least probably a friend. Uh, we imagine they're a friend. Here, I'll say one thing. I don't want to make fun of addiction. I, I think that's a serious issue, and I think it's an important thing to have you know, an honest version of a conversation about. At the same time, if you're the son of the sitting president, the son of the former vice president, and you write a book about all your addictions, and then you're still doing stuff in the White House, he's going to state dinners. He's doing all kinds of things that would make you curious. It's fair game then. We, we can't say that stuff is off the books. You're not allowed to discuss it. You're not allowed to ask questions about it just because it's, it's something that for someone who's not quite as, you know, um, big in the world of, of politics or in the world of anything, uh, that, that we would treat them nicer. If it was your friend who was going through some addiction of some kind, you'd treat them with more kindness, with more empathy than you want to treat those who are in power positions. And of course that makes sense. Of course that's true. And it's just so odd that that seems to be the immediate high and mighty way to try to reject this stuff is, no, 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 how dare you ask him questions? How dare they, uh, in there, ask him questions about his addiction, even though it might have played into his willingness to take a crap ton of money from countries that were trying to buy influence in his, with his connection to his father. That might have been one of the reasons he did it, because he might have, you know, been high at the time, to say the very least. We don't know. We have no idea on any of this stuff. But I do think it's very interesting, again, that you just make that statement as if, how dare you question me, sir? Because the higher you get, I'll say it this way. I know I've been kind of beating around the bush uh, on the topic itself. The higher you get on the totem pole of power, the more questions I get to ask about the more about a wider variety of things, because you don't get to hide anything if you're going to take these roles in these positions of power. And you're going to say to me, Hunter Biden's not a politician. He's not in power. IRAs. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, TJ Carson will be along to help with a update or a, a first update on a breaking news story. Uh, the Supreme Court will rule on the immunity case that Donald Trump, former President Trump, has brought um, and asked them to decide on as to whether or not he can face criminal charges in his federal election interference case. Uh, TJ, what do we have as far as this? Uh, is I thought I heard just the other day. I think I even said it on the radio. That, that the signs seem to be that the Supreme Court was not going to wind up uh, hearing this case. They will agree to hear it. Yeah, uh, now that's the update today. I yeah. feel like just yesterday people were saying the opposite. That I had not been hearing anything like okay. that. Uh, been immersed in a lot of yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, the past. Sure. No in fact, there's been a lot going on in the past 45 yeah. minutes here I as think, well. I think this is very good, of course, but what, what information do we have right now? So the justices have set the case for an oral argument during the week of April 22nd wow. on a single question. Whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office. Wow, uh, that's a significant question to be answered by the Supreme Court. And actually, I imagine the most frustrating thing for Jack Smith and the special counsel is they didn't want to delay in this case at all. And now pushing the hearing back until April and then the ruling on that back way further because the Supreme Court puts those rulings out, you know, months after they hear it these could, cases. could hear maybe, I would guess, as early as June possibly sure. for a ruling on that. But or later. Like you mentioned, this pushes back the uh, special counsel case by mm -hmm. Jack Smith. They're, the What they're not ruling anything on that. They're looking at a lower court ruling 
uh, from the D- U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia right. from earlier this month that ruled right. 3-0 against Trump's immunity claim. Right. The the lower court had said that he was not immune, and now the Supreme Court will hear the appeal, uh, which is very important. But again, it pushes everything back. The timelines all go back. And the most relevant piece of information here for anybody is if Trump gets into the White House for federal charges He's probably likely to be able to pardon himself, even if they did come after him at that point. I know there's a, a constitutional debate about that, too. And that, if there is an article on WMEDradio.com that stuff? does mention what you just say. Okay. Quoting it, if Trump regains the presidency, he could use his powers to force an end to the prosecution or potentially pardon himself for any federal right. crimes. That's yeah. the Reuters reporting on our website. And honestly, they, they debate that. The the Constitution people uh, go back and forth. Well, thank you, TJ, for the update. I know you'll be on in just a few minutes uh, to give us all the news. Um, uh, but I will say this, that the Constitution people, if that's what you want to call them, the so-called experts, uh, debate whether or not a president can um, uh, give himself a pardon uh, but it's very likely, uh, as far as the information I've seen, to be something you can, in fact, do. Just not something you've ever needed to do before because, well, a president's never been indicted uh, four times before. Now, granted, he can't clear himself of state-level charges, and two of the cases against him are brought by states, not by the federal government. But he could dismiss everything going on with Jack Smith. And honestly, I, I said this a bunch. And you know what? It's so funny, actually, if I react to this a little bit more, uh, because – I think there was a while there where I was saying all these court cases should wait, regardless of the likelihood that they have a good evidence or bad evidence that they're going to prove uh, that Trump did something wrong or not prove it. The reason they should wait is because of how important it is to make sure that our election isn't interfered with. That's a bad thing. And if you waited this long to bring some of these charges against Trump, why not give it another year? Wait one more year. And if he's not in the office, go ahead and have at it and see if he can, you know, prove himself innocent. All of that. And by and large, people who get mad at that take from me usually say it's just because you want Trump back in office so he can forgive himself so he can pardon himself. No, it's to remove the best possible argument from a certain side of the political aisle as to why this is bad for our, our society, why it's bad for our country to have it happen this way, regardless of if you think it's true or not. We, we just shouldn't do it. And so now all these different court processes that were long things that Trump would have access to uh, allow the delays here. We're probably going to get the thing I sh- think we should have got in the first place, uh, which is that the cases will all be delayed long enough for them to not truly impact the election. However, if what we get instead is a bunch of cases that are all tried in, say, October, it feels like we've done more harm than good here. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, and I know a whole lot of people do believe Trump is absolutely innocent and being a political target of so many of these things. And there will be a chance to prove that or, or you know, disprove that in a courtroom. And that'll be fascinating to watch. Uh, but right now, it just it doesn't make sense. It, it just doesn't. All right. One other thing I want to touch on. Serious topic I meant to get to. Uh, earlier, my wife's coming on uh, just after the 4.30 news, and we'll be uh, less serious uh, with the misses. I have another uh, version of Betty was right. Uh, I'm doing a story each day to prove that something Betty told me was correct and I was wrong. It's a lot of fun, uh, I guess, to do that. My wife's not mean about it when uh, she's right and I'm wrong. Uh, but anyway, bump stocks are also going to be heard by the Supreme Court. Uh, they appear torn as of uh, some of the uh, conversations that happened today at the, in the Supreme Court. A bump stock is not a gun. A bump stock is something that you add to a gun, uh, typically, I think, a rifle. And I have a buddy of mine that's an expert on this that I definitely will ask more questions of uh, in the near future. Uh, But bump stocks and high-capacity magazines, uh, which allow for people to, say, uh, fire uh, bullets more rapidly from a gun, 
Uh, but the the conversation is whether or not it should be illegal or legal. And Trump's actually the one that banned it because it's it's not, in fact, a weapon itself. And, um, you know, it doesn't actually do the thing, according to a lot of experts, that they claim it did when they banned it in the first place. So I do think that's also interesting and coming up before the Supreme Court, uh, too. All right. So after the break, uh, after I take a pause and news does not, uh, we will uh, have my wife in uh, to do her Spanish word of the day. She teaches people Spanish one word at a time right here on WMBD. And then we'll also go ahead and talk about how she's right about stuff because darn it she's she's right about some stuff uh but that's all coming up in a bit am it's 1470 fm 100.3 everywhere if you download the wmbd radio app or tell your smart speaker to play wmbd radio uh here is tj carson a little bit early live and local in the wmbd radio newsroom craig this just in the supreme court will decide on former president donald trump's claims of immunity from prosecution on special counsel charges related to his efforts to overturn his 2020 election loss the justice's decision today puts on hold a criminal case from special counsel jack smith and will reveal lower court's rejection of trump's immunity claims trump and his lawyers claim he is immune from prosecution because he was president when those actions happened the justices set oral arguments to take place during the week of april 22nd trump the current front runner for the republican presidential nominated is the first former president to be criminally prosecuted more at wmbdradio.com the father of eight-year-old navin jones will spend the rest of his life in prison after being found guilty in his death peoria county state's attorney jody who says 42 year old brandon walker received a sentence of natural life in the Illinois department of corrections today walker was found guilty in december of first degree murder in relation to navin's death his mother 37 year old stephanie jones pleaded guilty to first degree murder in relation to navin's death and is scheduled to be sentenced April 25th. Navin died in a Peoria hospital in March of 2022 after being found abused and malnourished. President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, was back on Capitol Hill today for a hearing in connection to allegations that he and his father were involved in an international business scheme. The first son's lawyer, Abby Lowell, spoke after the deposition. It seems to me that the Republican members wanted to spend more time talking about my client's addiction than they could ask any question that had anything to do with what they call their impeachment inquiry. So, as I said before, there is no evidence because there is no evidence, and today only confirmed that. This deposition coming as part of the impeachment investigation into President Biden. Comedian and actor Richard Lewis, known for his roles in Curb Your Enthusiasm and Anything But Love, passed away at 76 after suffering a heart attack. Richard Lewis, who played a version of himself on Curb Your Enthusiasm, has died. Known as the Prince of Pain, the acclaimed comedian, was also known for exploring his neuroses in streams of consciousness. First of all, I'm getting, I have that irregular heart thing, and this is not a good thing. Lewis, who revealed he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2023, died at his home in Los Angeles Tuesday night after suffering a heart attack. A regular performer in the comedy clubs, Lewis also played Marty Gold in Anything But Love, opposite Jamie Lee Curtis, as well as the neurotic Prince John in Mel Brooks' Robin Hood Men in Tights. Brooks once said he may just be the Franz Kafka of modern-day comedy. Fox's Michelle Polino. It's senior night at Carver Arena tonight as the Bradley Braves host Southern Illinois. Pre-game at 635 with tip-off at 7 here on 1470 and 100.3 WMBD. WMBD News is brought to you by Presley's Outdoors. Fishing season is quickly upon us, and Presley's has hundreds of new fishing items in stock. Lures, rods, reels, and more. See it all at Prepuria.
1370, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Bunch of stuff to talk about, I always say. I do like a story uh, that I'm probably not going to get to in this segment because, well, darn it, uh, I have to wait a little bit longer to get to this. Uh, But as my wife uh, probably makes her way into the studio, I think in the next 15 minutes or so, I think she's uh, stuck a little bit uh, later uh, working today than normal. Uh, I did see that Biden could take an executive action and is likely to take one uh, soon that is aimed at protecting Americans against sensitive data that is being stolen or uh, attempting to be stolen by China and a lot of other, quote, hostile countries. Now, what I think is so interesting about this and the reason I wanted to bring this up at all is I I hear people still joke about, oh, TikTok. Not that big of a deal. Oh, how ridiculous. The conservative uh, freaks out and says things uh, that don't really matter. They're, they're fear-mongering or whatever it is. But the truth is that even the left and even the Biden administration admit that China wants your information. They, they want to take it. They want to take it any way they can. And one odd thing about TikTok is that it has a lot of ties to the Chinese government. Uh, and this is a way that I think they spy on their own people. Uh, whatever other platform and versions of these things exist there. And so the the actual debate or discussion about it, and I know a lot of people will use TikTok anyway, they won't care. They'll be like, ah, what can China learn about me that I don't want them to know or that would harm me somehow? Uh, but even so, even as you say that, and other people will probably say that that's naive and there could be something that hurts you. It, it is interesting that the executive action essentially helps uh, win that argument on a certain side of the aisle uh, that is dismissed uh, by the other side as well. Uh, crazy uh, is usually what they say. All right. Another thing that I want to play, and this this is a bit of a, a deep dive into the weeds, but we're, we're going to do it. So uh, this was CNN last night as uh, Trump was winning big in uh, Michigan and then Biden was was winning. He's not actually really running against anybody, uh, but winning in a weird way and actually one specific county in which he lost and he lost to nobody. Uh, These are all true things I just said out loud into the microphone. Uh, Here's what it sounds like on CNN when they're digesting that. This is just the city of Dearborn, but that is where the biggest pocket of the Muslim American, the Arab American population. This is a place President Biden carried big time in 2020. This is key to his chances of defeating Donald Trump in Michigan again. Now, 75 percent to 23 percent in the city of Dearborn. Uh, We're waiting to get even more results from Wayne County. But this just tells you, again, it's going to raise the total number. Without a doubt, let me turn this off. No, you don't have to turn that off. So 75 percent that Stanley's giving out is the people who said they were unconvinced by any of the candidates. And that means that Joe Biden lost 75-25 in a county uh, where a lot of people are voting based on what's going on in the Middle East and how they feel that um, uh, the president of the United States is not doing enough to cause a ceasefire, which is the thing that people are asking for and calling for uh, on the left side of the aisle mostly. And so this will be a very damaging political conversation for the current president uh, if it is to continue. And so uh, Biden recently said that he is actually expecting a ceasefire as early as Monday in the Middle East, which seemed to be news to Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu, which is making things even more uh, confusing. And actually, as that's all going on, as you're debating how far to one side of the aisle uh, Biden or the left will have to go to appease those who are frustrated 
um, you have this, uh, which is just a very simple demonstration of the enthusiasm difference from uh, what's going on with with Republicans showing up in primaries and Democrats. Democrats are not enthusiastic about their candidate. That's not new news. You know that. Here we go. This is CNN again in their Republican, um, you know, uh, analyst of the night kind of thing. Uh, this guy is technically, I guess, a Republican former politician, but that doesn't matter. He's on the old CNN. You know, there, there's a big enthusiasm gap. If you if you look right now, there's you know 26, 27 percent of the vote in uh, between the, the Democratic turnout, the Republican turnout. Uh, the Republican turnout is right now far trouncing the the Democratic turnout, um, and that's the percentage of of the total vote that we're waiting to come in. It'll be interesting to see what comes in from Wayne County. Yes, I get that, but President Trump's number at the moment is actually more than all of the Democratic Party primary voters together. So I, I would say that President Trump, when looking at the amount of people who are coming out to vote for him tonight, mm-hmm. would be very encouraged by the amount of votes that Anderson he is getting compared so to all the Democrats. Go. Right. I mean, now this is actually a fairly common thing when someone is not in, in power, uh, that their side of the aisle shows up more during the primary than the other side. But nonetheless, for Trump to actually get alone more votes than Everyone is getting on the Democratic side, including unconvinced. It's not a good look. And and it continues to reinforce the thing that matters most, I think, to me uh, going into the 2024 election. I'm going to move on from that in just a second. And the most important thing to me is how unelectable Biden is and not even talking about Trump. And everybody says, like, oh, he can't win. You, You never vote him back into power. If he gets even the same turnout he got in the last election or something similar to it, and Biden gets a much worse turnout because of the apathy toward him, they, we know who wins. We, we know who winds up being the next president of the United States. So I, I just don't understand why that argument or that you know belief isn't more widely held uh, by more people that should, well, know this stuff. All right. Uh, another thing that I do want to talk about, and I, I know it's been coming up on and off throughout the show today, uh, U.S.'s Congress is trying to figure out a deal on spending bills that will avert a government shutdown. Uh, that government shutdown would happen as early as Saturday if they don't do this. Uh, I think the deal they're reaching is on FY24 spending bills. Um, I, it is the most annoying thing to me that the decision to fund the government is one of the only times that it seems politicians actually work. Uh, it seems that for the most part, the House and the Senate take time off until they get to the moment where they have to cut checks uh, to their own people. And then, well, not themselves, though. They're the only people who keep getting paid as they keep working, which is ridiculous. Uh, but the thing I, I value more than anything else about this, and I'm, I'm going to keep saying it, is that we shouldn't care. It doesn't matter to us, and it shouldn't matter to us, because it won't impact us as much as they say it will. Uh, but I just think it's interesting that they're putting these stories out about you know trying to get across the finish line at the last second right before time runs out yet again because that's how this whole situation works all right other news out there that i thought was interesting uh, this is actually uh, mitch mcconnell uh, talking about how he will be stepping down after a 17-year run uh, as the lead in the senate for the gop um, he is not a popular politician in the conservative side on in the conservative party right now uh, that's just it's just easily demonstrated is not true uh, for you to think that he's, you know, someone who's very much desired to stay. Uh, beyond that, he's actually someone who seems like he's dealing with a lot of of health issues, uh, which obviously are bad. Uh, that's not something anyone wants to deal with and certainly not something that you should probably be dealing with while you're also uh, in a power position within our government. Uh, so it seems as though maybe this is the beginning of the end of the political career of one Mitch McConnell. 
And, and it also seems like it's a time when people are deciding whether or not they're going to throw their, their hat in the ring with Trump or leave it completely out. All right. Uh, one last thing that I want to talk about before I take a, a quick pause and we have other people do stuff. Uh, texts have revealed in the Fonnie Willis case uh, that the uh, people they're even, um, you know, putting up in front of the witness stand. Terrence Bradley is a special prosecutor who worked with Nathan Wade, who's uh, friends with Fonnie Willis. Uh, he had said in previous testimony that he was pretty sure, if not actually just definitively said, uh, that that relationship started before Willis hired um, Nathan Wade to be the lead prosecutor. Now he's saying he's not sure. He doesn't really remember. He was speculating. Uh, but a text message seems more damaging than anything else out there. It's a text message he sent to another colleague that essentially says she should date him but not hire him. And he says, absolutely. So the text comes in from someone else, and he responds back with, we totally agree with that. Obviously, we both believe that they're dating. Do you think it started before she hired him was another text. And Terrence also said absolutely to that one. It started when she left the DA's office and was judge in South Fulton. These are all texts they have. And texts that as this witness was on the stand, he seemed very confused to look at, even though they're his own. Uh, that's not being covered as many places as the the admission that he was speculating is being covered. And it feels like they're both pretty important. All right. Uh, I'll take a pause. Uh, everybody else will not. Uh, AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, and everywhere on the WMB. WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. My wife, Betty, is in studio. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, Craig. Uh, Do you have a Spanish word of the day already? We're not going to do it yet. I'm just curious. Yes, I I do. You don't take notes here anymore. You don't, no, I don't. I, I you, already have it. You put it all up here in the brain, huh? Yes. That's nice. That's very impressive. You used to bring in like an adorable little note and everything. <laughs> yes. And then you would read through that and tell me a bunch of stuff about it. Now you're only uh, sort of trying I'm like on the a show. Pro now. <laughs> or now you're a pro. <laughs> That's trying. the right way to say I'm it. Trying. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. A couple quick things, including a Betty was right story that I'm going to hang on to as well. Uh, but before I get to that, I want to ask you you're a very good cook. Uh, I say it all the time. And yes. you always tell me, like, stop saying that, Craig. But yeah. it's true. You're a very good cook. Uh, do you like gourmet food or comfort food more? Easy stuff or hard stuff? Uh, I will go for easy stuff. Okay. Like whatever I have in the fridge, I'm going to make a mixture and mm-hmm. you just swallow it and you like it. And Okay, that's that's a phrase you remember yes. from a kid on a cooking show. Yeah. You eat it, you swallow, you, you like, like it. it. Yeah, you like it. You eat it, you swallow, <laughs> you like it. Yes. yes, which you say to me all the time. Yeah, because uh, well. I, don't, I don't like to throw... No, you don't. And, yeah, no, I don't like to spoil. Nope, not at all. You're not a fan of that at all. Um, so well, you just like easy stuff, but you can make fancier stuff. And you've made me like filet mignon and all well, kinds of things. Fancy for you is uh, cooking uh, filet mignon, like uh, mm-hmm. medium rare. That's not fancy and, to you? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I used to do it a lot. That is not that fancy to me. I feel like uh, fancy for me would be like to make tamales from scratch it. Because it takes a long time, sure. yes. a long, long time. Yes. It requires a lot of ingredients, too. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting, actually, about you saying that is, do you remember during uh, the pandemic when I helped you make, um, what was it? What were we making? Enchiladas. Enchiladas. And you got a tortilladora, is yeah, what you called it? Yeah, it's a press. Uh, it just squishes the, the um, you know, the thing, dot. the dough for the yeah. enchilada. Yeah. And you let me do that part. 
I was squishing the dough, and you then were, you were yeah, making it. Using yeah. that press to yeah. to like smoosh <laughs> the dough and right. yes. create kind of like a small little mm-hmm. light tacos or quesadillas. Right. Yes. yes. Do you remember all that and how yes. how good I did at that job? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you want me to help you out in the kitchen more and make fancy stuff yeah. or no? Okay, yeah. you do. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be annoyed if I tried to help you in the kitchen. No, because uh, you are a pretty good student. You listen and you just oh. follow like uh, oh, nice. orders. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, I do follow. I do follow orders that you give me a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, people text in the kitchen. Though. You know, people text the show and say I sound whipped. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nobody's just know. laughing. You don't, I don't think, think so? so? I don't okay. think so. I stand up for myself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do yeah. I... You put like you wanted to like set up like uh, the fire on the mm-hmm. on the stall like super high. You yep. you do it and you, and I told you like. Like that. Put it low? Yeah, put it low. And, and I'm like, no, I'm just going to leave it like, like super high, baby. Okay. Yeah. Like, and I tell you, like, Craig, it's going to s- super cook or overcook. Right. And it's just like, I like it like that. Okay. Well, who do, do I overcook it when I do those things? Yes. Is Sometimes. the answer yes? Okay. Do I win a lot of the fights between us or no? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I love that this is radio because you just rolled your eyes so hard and you're like, don't tell any of the audience that. All right. I have one other quick thing for you and then we'll do Spanish word of the day. Um, and I love having you on the show all the time. Uh, this is Betty was right. Uh, so uh, tap water is not as, as clean as we think it is. Uh, they actually say the best way, according to a brand new study, to make sure your tap water is always safe is to boil it first. You need to boil it. Uh, this is something they do in Mexico all the, time, all the time with water. You boil even the water you get out of the, the purified stuff. Yes. You guys boil it again. Yeah. Apparently, no matter where you live, uh, this might be the only truly safe way to make sure there's nothing bad in your water. Again, according to a brand new study. So boil it. We have to boil, boil everything. Yeah, you boil it. You boil the water, correct? Right. Like, it's funny because when I boil, uh, when I don't boil the water from my dad. Mm-hmm. He, he knows. Get, he, 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 yes. He knows if the flavor or the taste of the water is different. I don't know how, but he, he does it. Does he get it right every time? The, yes. The, okay. Yeah. This is crazy. I even kind of like uh, make like, I don't know, little like uh, tricks to him. It's like I, I sure. give him the, the the coffee like, and I grab the water from just like purified water. Sure. And he's like, this water is not, <laughs> it's not boiled. It's not boiled. It's you didn't not, do this right. Yeah. No, I need this again. I need yeah. this done again. You also do tricks with me sometimes when you make me shakes. You put stuff in it. I don't know that's in it. Yeah, sometimes. You do that sometimes. Yeah, like yesterday, I, I told you like to drink something for your health. Because oh, yeah, what was it? The flu is around. Uh, it, it was celery. Uh, it's a. It was a blend, blending, blend yeah. mixed mix. My my favorite part of when you did that, by the way, I was downstairs working on something. You came down to the basement and gave it to me, and I was like, "All right, I'll drink it in a second. And because I wouldn't drink it right away, you were trying to take it back upstairs. Yes. You were like, "Okay, fine." Well, because I don't want to like. I mean, it lasts for like three days or four days, so I yeah. want to like uh, consume Get, it before sure. it goes bad. Well, and, and it's a very healthy drink. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, it's like I feel like we are trying dollars. No, don't it makes stuff. sense. And it, it only had three days. So I had to drink it right then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, girl. You're awesome. Uh, Betty, what is the Spanish word of the day today? Hambre. Hambre. Yes. Which means hungry. Yes. Yes, hambre yes, is, is the Spanish word of the day. Are you hambre right now? Yes, tengo hambre. You're tengo yeah. hambre. You yeah. have you have hunger. We've had to translate that <laughs> yes. into English. All right. I'm hungry, yeah. You, you have hunger. Hambre, yeah. What are you planning on eating when you go home? I was thinking to make just like, uh, I don't know, I love eggs. Okay. So I can make eggs, eggs okay. in the morning, in there, the middle is, of the day, at gonna, dinner. Is there going to be food when I get home? 
Mm, maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Thank you, as always. Uh, that is my wife, Betty, hanging out with me uh, on this show. She does this uh, pretty much every day, as much as she can, and she certainly seems to enjoy it, right? Yes. Or am yes. I still dragging you into the studio at this point? No, my, okay. my brain is working today. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Your hamster is my not... Hamster, my hamster is not tired today. He's yes. good? Yeah, yeah, I can translate <laughs> today. I can, I can do it. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a break. After the break, I will do the top five at five. They're the five biggest there stories of the day, according to me. I put them in order because I'm told that that's better. Um, people that we both know told me that that's better, including <laughs> yes. a consultant that we both know that you yes. like a lot, yeah, who I also like, speaks like Spanish. Yeah. And he's like, you can't, you can't do this without putting it in order. It's radio. Yeah. And you got to count it down backwards. You got to follow orders. <laughs> I do have to follow orders <laughs> from both you and the yeah. consultant. All right. So that's coming up in just a bit. AM, it's, four, it's, uh, AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, everywhere. If you download the WMBD radio app, uh, this is the Craig Collins Show. Top city next to Talbot's Women's Clothing. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. If you listen to me every day at this time, you know we do this. It's time for the top five at five on the Craig Collins Show. Five biggest stories of the day, according to me. I put them in order because, well, I'm told that that's better. But it actually, it feels good today. This feels like a good five. Let's uh, let's get right Number to it. Five. Thank you, David Letterman, for helping me out with that. One million acres are burning in both Texas and Oklahoma as large wildfires have just erupted uh, in those areas. It's the second straight day with strong winds, relatively low humidity, uh, which has led to an explosion uh, that has actually even knocked out power for a lot of people. Uh, The wildland firefighters are working to contain multiple massive wildfires uh, burning, as I said, in the Texas Panhandle region and across the plains, fueled by unseasonably hot uh, and gusty winds. Um, this is a crazy story and how quickly this stuff um, goes from, you know, somewhat contained to way, way, way not contained. And I actually I remember something and I know that Trump got made fun of for saying this, but I can't help but think about it. How does it go from a little bit of self-contained fire to you know, a wild, chaotic scene, you wonder how much within uh, the forest, and again, I remember this is the way that Trump said it, and he got ridiculed for being a moron for saying it this way, actually acts as sort of a a conduit to make things worse, to make things crazier. And if cleaning out uh, these areas somehow or cleaning out uh, any of this stuff would actually uh, benefit, uh, say, the um, explosion or the lack thereof uh, in any of these these areas. If you actually um, went through and removed the brush and stuff, would it have an impact? I don't know the answer. I'm not pretending that I think Trump is right about that, but it's just, it's a curiosity that you at least could try. I mean, it would create some jobs and you clean out some some brush uh, places and then you kind of hope that wildfires don't spread as quickly as they do. Uh, but it is crazy how uh, fast this has gotten out of hand. And so uh, firefighters, uh, God bless them, uh, fighting this in that area. Number four. Right, number four to me is uh, that um, the police chief here in Peoria, Eric Echeverria, had to apologize for an advertisement asking people to join the police. Um, a whole lot of, I'll say this first, a whole lot of places, pretty much everywhere in the country, I think, is struggling to hire police officers. Um, they, they need them, of course, if you believe that police officers serve and protect our community, which I do, uh, and the vast majority of them uh, do not do the things that you see go viral on the Internet every so often uh, that causes some to get in a lot of trouble. Um, that, that's not who they are, by and large. And I think Eric has done a really good job, uh, the police chief, of demonstrating the humanity of the police department. 
But anyway, they put up an ad that they, I think, have since removed uh, that was talking about how you should stop playing games and answer the real Call of Duty, uh, join the uh, PPD. And it shows three different police officers uh, holding, you know, uh, guns with tactical gear on and whatnot. I have to be honest. He apologized to this. He apologized for this, I guess, because uh, people were offended by it, thought that it, it made the police uh, department look too too violent or something. I don't even really know uh, all the exact reasons behind it. But I, I do think it's it's an absolutely fine advertisement myself. And the reason I think that is that I don't see bad actors when I look at this this photo. And if you do, if you see the police as bad people, then, of course, if you look at three bad people holding guns or three bad people being compared to to a video game, then part of you is like, "Uh oh, this could be, you know, um, a problem. But I don't see that. I see good guys. When I look at this and I think what what you're supposed to believe and what is by and large, again, true and most people don't argue about is that these are the good guys and they're holding the guns and they're hopefully fighting the bad guys or at least training to be ready to fight the bad guys. So I have literally no problem with this. And I bet you it also worked. I bet you there are people who are playing video games who have some sort of hero, you know, mentality um, of their own uh, that they get some sort of fulfillment from by playing a game like Call of Duty, where you get to essentially behave like you're in uh, our military. And maybe some of those people be like, man, yeah, I should actually do that in real life. Uh, the part of protecting people, not the part of, you know, being violent and and, and crazy. Uh, but people who serve in our, our police department also are given guns and tactical gear and stuff because sometimes they need it. I don't get it. I don't get the seeing the reality of policing and how that's that's essentially a bad thing. Um, as long as, again, you're not adding into it a level that I don't see when I look at it, which is why I think the ad's totally appropriate. And, Eric, I don't think you had to apologize. I know you're probably not calling me for advice on this stuff, but that's my take on uh, that. Number three. Right. Moving on to number three on this list. Uh, number three is all about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden testified today. I'm actually surprised I put it at three, but I think two things are more important than this. Uh, he testified behind closed doors. For a while, uh, a bunch of politicians came out throughout the process of uh, Hunter being behind closed doors. And the thing that they're essentially trying to prove, which is a ridiculous thing to need to prove, and I'll tell you why in a second, is that Hunter Biden gave money to his dad. Uh, that one way or another, he included him in the business deals. He was cutting checks. He did do some direct deposits. They said that was for a car, though, and no big deal. But the thing that is not really being argued anymore is that Hunter Biden got all this money, got all these gigs and, and you know, these foreign countries to work with him because his dad was the vice president. And that should be wrong. That should be bad. You shouldn't be able to sell influence even if you can't deliver it. It seems like a bad thing. And it seems like politicians should be uniquely aware of what their own children are doing with their name. But that does seem to be the part that's not really getting debated in this. And that's just because Washington is a, is a, is a poop hole. I don't know how to say that any different. They're, they're a pile of poop. I want to say something worse, but I can't. Uh, and they, they think this is fine because probably so many other people in Washington are doing this stuff. Uh, by the way, side note, not really part of uh, the number three, uh, but Biden did lose to uncommitted in at least one uh, small place in Michigan the other night. Uh, he did win uh, against nobody. Uh, but it, it is interesting when you see some communities uh, voting against him and voting against him strongly and uncommitted defeating him in any primary anywhere throughout Michigan or any other part of the country. All right, That's number three. Number two. Again, real surprise. Came in today thinking that Hunter Biden would be the 
number one story uh, testifying when he said he didn't want to. Uh, number two to me is an audit that took place of WTVP uh, that I think came out uh, at some point in the evening yesterday. I missed it yesterday, but I, I want to cover it. And I do think it's a big story. Uh, Peoria's public television station lost $870,000 during the last fiscal year, which would be uh, from uh, July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023. Uh, they've actually recently, they being WTVP themselves, have published this on their website. Uh, this is not to be confused with the other investigations and things that are going on. Uh, this was their own internal uh, decision to hire a Peoria law firm, Clifton Larson Allen, to conduct its own audit and look at just that time period. Uh, the audit audit found that the biggest reason for such a, a large loss of funds uh, was the failure of uh, Peoria Magazine to recover the cost that they were spending on it. But people still have a lot of questions about a lot of what's going on here and the uh, look that's happening by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, essentially the government deciding whether or not they'll continue to give grants and fund uh, the television station here locally. Uh, They're looking at a a larger time frame and they're looking for, um, you know, spending that is inappropriate uh, or, as I think was described by WTVP, you know, unauthorized, uh, improper was the word, unauthorized and questionable. Those are the things they're looking into, not just necessarily if the uh, Peoria magazine uh, lost money. Um, so it is interesting, and it seems like it's it's a step uh, toward transparency, but not uh, similar to the one that's likely to come out later. And also there are local and state level uh, investigations for crimes uh, being investigated for uh, uh, WTVP. So I do think, think that's a big story, and a lot of people are talking Number about it. One. The number one story of the day to me is the fact that the Supreme Court will wind up hearing the presidential immunity claim by former President Donald Trump. Uh, I felt like just yesterday I was telling you that it seemed, and this is why you never trust the experts, that a lot of experts were saying that they probably weren't uh, gonna gonna see this case. Uh, I remember a, a few different places uh, going that road, uh, but the Supreme Court, the six to three conservative majority, uh, chose that they will hear this case, uh, and they absolutely should. The reason they should is a whole lot of Americans care about it. A whole lot of Americans are are curious as to what the definitive answer from the highest court in the land will be as to how far presidential immunity extends. Uh, whether or not some people say it's ridiculous and terrible and how dare the conservatives on the uh, the bench decide to, to see something or hear something that they never, ever should have uh, considered hearing uh, since the lower court that ruled on this was 3-0 against Trump. And then this one is 6-3 for Trump. Uh, the truth is that they should hear cases, uh, regardless of, of the you know legal analyst stuff that I probably can't give you, uh, but they should hear cases where a lot of people care, even if they don't think the legal argument's all that good. I was saying that the other day. I'm saying it again today. So even if your, your shot across the bow on this story is, how dare they do something that's just a waste of their time? How dare they not is the response I give back to you, because this is much more important and much more interesting to a larger amount of Americans than anything else that the Supreme Court was asking to decide whether or not they'd they'd hear. And so they'll be hearing those uh, arguments in April, I believe. And then they're probably not likely to rule on it until June, July, uh, which means any sort of case by uh, Jack Smith and the prosecutors would have to happen after that date, after a ruling. So it essentially pushes the timeline to almost uh, the the end of the election season. So we'll see exactly what happens there and if he actually is uh, found to be immune or not. 
uh, according to the Supreme Court. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, well, I'll take a break. I need to stop saying that because we don't take a break. Other people do stuff when I, you know, uh, take my time away. And we have a lot more coming up in a bit. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, everyone. IRAs. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thrilled to have you with us. Uh, two pieces of audio for you. One I haven't played yet, and one that I adore, uh, and I'll probably play many more times even after I leave the radio station today. Uh, the first is the CEO of Kellogg, who's embroiled in a controversy, uh, which you don't usually see on the bingo card that the CEO of Kellogg is going to be in some sort of controversy. But I guess he's telling people to eat cereal for break- for dinner, excuse me, for breakfast. We barely do that anymore because how expensive it is. But eat cereal for dinner because it's it's cost effective. It's it's there's savings at that point, according to Gary Plicknick. I don't know if he's so right about that, but here's what he said. Some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. We've got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. The price of a bowl of cereal uh-huh. with, with milk and with fruit is less than a dollar. So you can imagine why a consumer under pressure might find that to be a good place. Yeah, to I don't know if that's true. I feel like that might not be true uh, with all the different costs of all the ingredients. They also put out a commercial, Kellogg, uh, where they're trying to brainwash the children. When I say cereal, you say dinner. Cereal. Dinner! Cereal. Dinner! <laughs> chicken! No, chicken. You, you silly. Can, uh, have the night off, chicken. Okay, I'll go marinate. Cereal! Cereal! Yeah, it's a little weird. That's a little weird, the tone of that whole thing. But yes, uh, cereal for dinner is something that's making people mad uh, because cereal is not terribly healthy. And also, it's not really all that cost effective, even though they're saying it is. There's a whole bunch of problems here. Uh, But honestly, I've had cereal for dinner a bunch of times. And look at me. If you want to turn out like me, kids... I wonder how many parents are turning off their radio and telling their kid never to eat cereal for dinner. Uh, But if you want to turn out like me, have it occasionally. It'll be fine. Uh, It'll be great. Actually, I have it a lot in Mexico whenever I'm served an item that everybody in uh, that side of my family, my wife's family, knows I'm not going to eat. Anytime they have like a tongue thing or an intestine thing, they also put out a bowl of Frosted Flakes for the giant child that I am when I eat that stuff and not the other stuff. Uh, Two other pieces of audio. Let's do two. Uh, first, I just like this. This is just really nice. It's a dog that really wants to get in a hot tub, and it's an owner that really doesn't want her dog to get into a hot tub. And you're going to be able to figure out who wins because it's pretty easy. I sure do not get in that hot tub. Do not. That's as much as you do. No. Hey. No. Look, put that leg down. <laughs> Didn't we say not to get in a hot tub? All right. My two favorite parts of that audio are put that leg down. And also every time the dog is reacting to her saying no, it's like, I want to go. Please let me in the hot tub. It's so great. Uh, And exactly what you expect to happen. And then the dog did jump out of the hot tub fairly quickly after getting into it because the water is probably uh, not the kind of water the dog wants to be in uh, for all that long. It's fine, by the way. Uh, And then finally, the last piece of audio, uh, my favorite piece of audio uh, today. And good story, bad story is coming up after the news. Uh, That's where I tell you something good uh, that happened in our society and then something that will make you hang your head in shame for the world in which we live. A little bit of both. Uh, But I I just I can't get over how awesome this is. And you might even consider this a bad story. And I don't. Uh, There is ice football, which is played in Germany. Uh, They played it just before the Super Bowl happened here in the United States. It is exactly what it sounds like. 
They're on ice. They don't have skates. They have just shoes. And they try to play American football with tackling and everything. And it's awesome. And there is a call that went viral, uh, definitely in German, definitely not in English, of uh, a touchdown. And then actually, I think, a a missed uh, field goal because the guy fell over uh, when he tried to kick up with just one foot on the ice. We, We need this. We need this ASAP in our country. And it would definitely get us through having no football uh, during the off season for the NFL, because it's it's hilarious. I think it's fully hilarious. Here we go. Es geht über, da ist er. Es geht über Ailton. Kleine Snickers Ailton mit dem Touchdown. Stefan, sehr sehr schöne Lauftechnik da. Das soll er sich sparen. Das ist arrogant. Das ist taunting. Das wird in der NFL. So, Axelstein, Axelstein, Touchdown. My, my favorite is when you hear him say that is arrogant, um, and that is, you know, taunting, and that's, that's a penalty in the NFL. That, that's, it's such a good moment, because I would not want to be told that I'm arrogant by this guy in this voice, and I'll play it one more time. Sehr, sehr schöne Lauftechnik da. Das soll er sich sparen. Das ist arrogant. Das ist taunting. Das wird in der NFL. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. I, I forgive, or I surrender. I give up. I, I, hopefully you're not as mad as me that you sound. Uh, I think we need more just German, uh, language calls. Because it's it's a very uh, strong language, I guess is the word I would use for it. A very, I feel like every time I hear anybody use it, I'm in trouble, a version of speaking. So we need more of that. And we definitely need ice football. It's the sort of thing I feel like I would come up with on the radio as a joke and no one would ever do. And they're doing it in Germany and we need to do it here too. Uh, nobody take that out of context, by the way. All right, we're going to take a break. After the break, I will do, as I said, good story, bad story. Uh, that is where I demonstrate to you. That the world you live in is good, uh, that people uh, care about each other and that, you know, life has has meaning and all that stuff or some version of it. I don't know if I go quite that far. And then I go ahead and ruin that sentiment, that feeling by demonstrating uh, the least of us uh, within the world and the mistakes that man can make on a daily basis. Uh, that's definitely the first time I've described that segment in those terms. So I hope to live up to them. Uh, it's the Craig Collins Show. You can stream us at WMBDRadio.com. Or listen to us anywhere or tell your smart speaker to play WMBD radio. Here's TJ Carson live and local in the WMBD radio newsroom. Craig, a St. Louis man has been found guilty in the stabbing death of a Peoria doctor. 25 News reports Peoria County jurors deliberated for three hours before finding 57-year-old Robert Eli guilty of first-degree murder and the January 2021 death of Dr. William Marshall. Eli was accused of conning his way into Marshall's home, then stabbing him to death and robbing him of paintings. Eli did not testify in his own defense at the trial. A sentencing hearing for Eli is scheduled for April 25th. The Supreme Court will decide if former President Trump can be prosecuted for election interference charges from the special counsel Jack Smith. Justices will hear arguments in late April in a landmark case over whether former President Trump has immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office. Lower courts have so far rejected immunity claims from former President Trump's legal team in a case brought by special counsel Jack Smith. The Supreme Court has previously ruled presidents are immune from civil liability for official acts, but has not extended protections for criminal prosecutions. A trial was scheduled to start next week, but has been put on hold during the appeals process. Fox's Jared Halpern from the White House. More at WMBDRadio.com. A coalition of business, law enforcement, and military leaders say early childhood programs have a wide range of effects. The Council for a Strong America made that point in Peoria today as part of a study released on the effects of social and emotional learning in those programs. Peoria County State's Attorney Jody Hu says it can help keep kids out of trouble by teaching them problem solving and impulse control. We would see cases involving social media comments or disrespect 
or a multitude of other just trivial things that you and I every day could problem solve and fix. But had these kids had the strengths and the skills, we probably could have prevented some of these things. Retired U.S. Air Force General Gary Dulesky says not having such programs can decrease the pool of those eligible for military service. Peoria Area Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Joshua Gunn says early childhood programs can teach soft skills such as teamwork and thinking quickly. The coalition plans to request more funding for those programs in the Illinois fiscal year 2025 budget. It's senior night tonight at Carver Arena as the Bradley Braves host Southern Illinois. Pre-game in an hour at 635 with tip-off at 7 here on 1470 and 100.3 WMBD. WMBD News is brought to you by Presley's Outdoors. Fishing season is quickly upon us. And Presley says hundreds of new fishing items in stock. Lures, rods, reels, and more. See it all at Coquette right now. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, my buddy uh, Dan Lloyd is here, and I actually just realized I totally don't have the phones connected to the right thing. So hold on. I know what I can do, though. I can do this, and then we get Dan. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Good, Craig. How are you? I'm good. I'm learning all the buttons on the brand new board uh, as we're dealing with all this stuff. So I have a bunch of silly topics uh, and one kind of shocking topic uh, to talk about. But before that, let's do a, a serious thing. Let's do a political thing. Uh, Donald Trump has successfully challenged a lower court ruling that he does not have presidential immunity and can be tried for uh, certain crimes. I think mostly related to uh, what Jack Smith and prosecutors are saying was tampering with the election uh, or the election results and all that stuff. Um, and so shockingly today, the Supreme Court said they are going to hear this case and decide whether or, not, whether or not Trump does have presidential immunity from the criminal charges brought against him. And it's a very specific one question, as T.J. Carson in our newsroom actually read a little earlier on, that is exactly that. Does a president, when claiming they're doing something within the role of that office, have immunity from charges that would result from it? Um, that uh, trial will happen in April, and then a ruling would probably come out sometime in June or July. Uh, what is your reaction? I mean, I'm absolutely shocked. I think that it needs to happen because it's, it's important uh, for voters to understand. Sure. I think they, I'm shocked that they took the case um, to hear it. And I think the big thing is, is the fact that I'm thinking that they're taking this because of the fact that this is going to come up possibly later on in other presidencies. Sure. And this is a, something that needs to be addressed now. And uh, the American people want to know. The yeah. shocking part to me is it's not going to probably be decided until June. Right. So about a month before uh, the, the the convention. Yes, a month before the uh, Republican National Convention, which takes place in July. So at the earliest, you'd probably get a ruling like that. I have to be honest, man. Trump getting indicted four times and dealing with all the legal challenges that we've never seen a president deal with before, whether you think he's guilty or innocent, is sort of irrelevant to me. Uh, just the, the reality of all of it uh, makes this case you know, make more sense, regardless of what the the legal arguments are. And I'm no expert. I don't I don't know how to evaluate that. I just know that many, many Americans will be curious as to whether or not someone would be immune in the role of president, since we've ne- we've never seen this a version of the Justice Department, um, you know, bringing charges against a president before. So it, it feels like a really important hurdle uh, to cross one way or the other. Well, let's just be honest. I think I, I texted you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and said, have we ever seen anything like this right. where he is benefiting from this because of the fact that 
he has talked about free media all the time. Right. So yes. their their chance to go after him legally is actually helping him campaign wise. Right. Yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, anybody who ran against him would have no chance to begin with, but literally no chance because no ad buy is ever going to outdo this. Yeah. No, I was so, actually I was actually saying earlier in the show that Trump should just randomly like throw stuff out of balcony window. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything important, like something <laughs> weird. And we would talk about it the entire day. Like, what did it mean yeah. for some people? Other people, it's the latest sign that he's Putin or, or some other ter- Hitler, I guess. Just throw random stuff out of a window somewhere. Uh, and I think. And, be- let's, and let's just be honest, like any place you go. I mean, I'll be in a coffee shop. I'll be wherever. Sure. And it'll get brought up. He's the main to- topic of conversation. You literally cannot script this any better if right. you're running for higher office. Right. Now, granted, they've done a masterful job of bad press can be good press. Sure. And they have done a great job of that. So this is a win for him. This mm-hmm. is a big win for him. Sure. And uh, I think that it's, it's going to be interesting how it plays out. Yeah, it'll be very interesting if they say that he is immune. Uh, I feel like um, the uproar from the American people who think that the Supreme Court is is politically biased will be intense. Um, and I wonder what the, the legal arguments will be made that might say that. I don't know if they're going to say he's immune or not. I'm not trying to project that. I just I, I can fathom the reaction to being said that he's not and feeling like it'll be louder uh, than if he he is, or excuse me, the opposite. I feel like if he's not, it'll be quieter than if he is. That'll be louder. The reaction from that well, side will be crazier. Well, and here's what I want. I want the next time we do the coverage. Obviously, they cannot have a camera in there, but they have a microphone. Sure. I want them to have puppets <laughs> that say so that the, the when the justice is talking, you have a puppet that is uh, so we can see them. The you know be mimicked. Yes. Yeah, I oh know that that I love way more than the pictures and just like the descriptions. They should have full on puppet shows. Jim Henson's uh, company should get involved. So we get really realistic looking stuff. And then we go that road. I would like that way better, too, uh, man. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about silly stuff, because right. <laughs> the serious stuff is annoying sometimes. I, I love this um, this debate. So a California based psychologist uh, went on social media, on Reddit, I don't know why she did this, to complain about her husband. Uh, she's a licensed clinical psychologist. Her name is Kathy. Uh, she said that she asked her husband to get ready for her birthday dinner. Uh, they were going out for it, and then she waited. And she waited a little longer, and she waited a little longer, and he wasn't ready in time. Uh, she's 40 years old, by the way. So eventually she just left. She just left him to go to the nice restaurant alone. She had the meal alone because I don't think he had another a way to get there. And then she came back, and there he was uh, waiting for her. And she asked the Internet to decide who was right and who was wrong, specifically on Reddit, because he was taking too long and they were going to miss the reservation. So she just treated herself, and uh, she feels fine with it. What is your reaction? Well, what was he doing? I was he like getting ready? I, I mean, guess. yeah. I mean, if he's going to the bathroom, that could be a long process for some <laughs> people. So you're right. You're right. It depends on a lot of things, and I've heard bad. There's things a about lot the of factors in here. I mean, he could have been mowing the yard. I mean, mm-hmm. she's she's leaving out key details, and of course, they always leave out key details <laughs> when they're trying to get their whoa, side whoa, shown whoa. on the internet. Don't say that. Don't say it like that. Don't call women they, man. We're gonna get. In I'm not. Trouble. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm I am teasing. not saying women specifically. Teasing, I'm saying people. I am just saying people in general, when they go to the Internet looking for strangers Mm -hmm. to side with them, 
Their story is very one-sided. Uh, yes, I love how much I just made you sweat there by accusing you of something you didn't do. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no one say that. No, Dan Lloyd got canceled today. Uh, another thing out there that I saw that I thought was interesting, 83% of tattoo ink has some sort of hidden ingredient in it that's probably bad for us. It's linked to things like cancer, uh, organ, da- uh, organ damage, all kinds of stuff. Uh, this is something apparently we didn't know before, but we know now. Uh, what's your reaction to um, tattoos and illnesses? I don't have them. I have no tattoos. You know? I don't have anything that I want to expand on my body as I get older, and people ask me, what is that? Yeah. So I, I don't understand. I understand if you get a really awesome tattoo and it's in a spot that you want to show off, but the people who get tattoos and they put them in places where you're never going to see them uh-huh. don't understand the purpose of that. So I have so, a tattoo in a place that nobody ever sees. <laughs> and what is it of? I'm well, guessing I, I, it may I, have it. I actually don't I'm want guessing to, it, Go ahead. I'm guessing it might have an N and a Y to it would be my guess it is if not I had a, to put money on it. It is not a Yankee tattoo, although if I am to ever get a second one, it's, it'd be a Yankee tattoo. It's something that's more meaningful to me about my family, and I got it when I oh, was, okay. I got it when I was in uh, college, uh, and it used to have color, but the color is faded. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I put it on my, my left shoulder. So actually, you can see it, like if I go to the pool or something. Uh, but I, I put it there because I wanted a reminder of a thing. But I only have the one, and now I feel like for some reason maybe I shouldn't have gotten it. Uh, but, you know, impulsive and in your 20s. But I just loved your description, how, you know, no one should get these things. And I'm like, uh-oh, I got one right here, buddy. Right right back here. Uh, and again, my wife wants to redesign it all the time because she said whatever artist I got to do it was not very good at their craft. Um, and See, that's- but that's the challenge now is your wife is a, it's a constant. It's like going to an arts uh, <laughs> museum and you're constantly looking at it and she's picking it apart. She is. Yeah, I it- could, I'm, a, I'm more of an art person, so it's like I couldn't handle having somebody put something on my body that might not be perfect. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I just listen. Uh, so at some point, she probably is going to redesign it, and it'll be just be a giant, like, Betty uh, that she'll write on my back, <laughs> I imagine. Uh, another story I saw out there that I liked a lot, a mom got accused of spoiling her young son uh, for a very odd reason. Uh, she asked for him, and this is on a place on Reddit that I love, Am I the Jerk is the um, you know subreddit that I, I talk about a lot. Uh, she asked her son to to get to be invited to an all-girl event. Uh, she thought that her son was friends with enough of the people, so she said, you know, even though it's supposed to be all girls, we, we should invite uh, this, this one boy because it's my boy. Um, and I think this is really interesting because depending on the age of the kid, and I don't think it's actually mentioned here, some dudes would be thrilled to go to an all-girl event where they're the only guy. And some very young boys, like young kids, uh, if he's, like, much younger, would be the exact opposite, would hate the event. Uh, but mom wanted him to go, and people said that that's inappropriate. What's your response? Well, how old is he? I, I don't see it in here. Um, uh, I think one of the things said that there there's two sons between the ages of 9 and 7, so I think it is younger, but they don't actually give a, an exact age for the kid. Well, I mean, it's like if you're going to go – do something that a lot of girls would do and it's a guy and he could be right. uncomfortable, maybe not great. But right. if they're going paintballing or something like that, who cares? <laughs> you know? Just, like Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
but it's it's on it's it's I guess preparing him for you know a, a later uh, version of The Bachelor when he's on that sure. and he gets to choose between all these women. There you go, uh, one of your favorite shows. Uh, I would say that it also kind of teaches your kid that rules don't apply to him, uh, which is not so good because like if they are doing an, an all girl event and then your kid gets to go and nobody else gets to go, I do think it sends the wrong message about whether or not you have to follow all the same procedures everybody else follows. But that's a deep dive into that situation because they're they're nine and they're not going to think anything of this. And I guess the well, the interesting felt, part was I, I remember being in like preschool and kindergarten, and I would get invited to like birthday parties and it'd be boys and girls. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when we got to like second grade, that all changed, and it was like all boys. <laughs> and it all, and I think, I th- and yeah. it was all girls. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the shift is with it, but I just remember the, my most most memorable kindergarten one was is that a girl got really upset that her dad didn't have a pony at the thing, and. Well, the boy said ponies are stupid and threw sand in his eyes, and then all hell broke loose. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm glad you got that out of your system, man. I feel like you've been holding on to that story for a long time. I feel like there's been a lot of trauma from the sand-throwing event. Uh, one last thing before I let you go, and I do like this one, too. Apparently, there is a um, like more cost-effective, they're calling it a budget version of Ozempic, uh, which is a drug that you um, shoot into your body. Uh, you know, you take it as an a, uh, injection uh, that helps you lose weight. Uh, the Ozempic product costs between 900 and 1300 bucks. So this is a budget version that's probably not as safe and here's my favorite part, could most easily be compared to laxatives. Uh, what is your reaction to this? Well, I've been hearing lots of stuff about Ozempic. It's all over the place of all the side effects. So if it's something sure. even cheaper, I can't imagine that's going to be good for you. <laughs> no, so, I can't imagine. And then you good. throw the word laxative in there, and it's even more of a double whammy. So yeah. you might as well, you know, it's not a good situation. Ozempic has been getting lots of bad press. I know. And uh, you throw this in there and say, oh, it's the cheaper version of Ozempic, and it's got laxatives, yeah. you know, not it's, good. It's basically so. laxatives, I guess, is what they're saying. So it's it's going to cause a lot of issues. And honestly, I'd much rather go to the gym at that point when those are the situations. All right, thank you very much. show off your tattoo. Exactly. Yeah, I only go to the, sh- <laughs> the gym shirtless. That's the only way I work out. Uh, thank you very much, Dan Lloyd, a buddy of mine, Thanks. a friend. Uh, yep, thank you for being on the show. Quick break, a lot more, uh, 1470, 100 points. Visit Arnold Plumbing. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thrilled to have you with us for just a little bit more before uh, I take off and then Dave Ramsey uh, takes over. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool. This is the good story in our good story, bad story segment, where I tell you something that gives you hope for humanity and something that makes you feel the exact opposite way about humanity. Uh, there's a brand new service, I guess, right now just in New York City. Uh, a guy who owns an $8,000 drone, complete with a thermal cam and a whole bunch of other stuff, has been offering for free to help find people's pets. If your pet goes missing, uh, he uses his very fancy drone. He's found 40 pets this way. I think they even interviewed him. Uh, this is both really cool and also kind of scary and intense because I don't know what else he's looking for when he's not looking for pets. His name is Mike, though. Here we go. It's a DJI Mavic 3T. Uh, the T nice. is standing for thermal. Um, so without the thermal, you're just looking at the regular picture. The thermal's picking up body heat. Pretty much what I do it for. It was out for about 48 hours. Very few sightings. There was just one sighting right after it got out. And then the following day, 
Um, I was able to find it about three quarters of a mile away. Yeah, that's that's a lot of commitment, and I have no idea what that drone is. I just like to say nice when they throw out the name there. Uh, but yes, he's capable of finding uh, people's pets. As I said, he's found 40 uh, this year uh, and likely to find a bunch more. And then maybe have a bunch of copycat people who buy fancy drones to help people find pets. And then hopefully don't do other stuff with them. All right, that was the good story. Uh, now it's the bad story. 33-year-old guy in Florida. He's been sentenced to seven years in prison after he was caught with fentanyl uh, that he was. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm going to say this on the on the air. He was removing from his backside. That's the way I'm going to decide to describe it and shoving it into some cushions in the back seat of a police car. So the guy's arrested. His name is Robert and he's 33. And he's thinking to himself, man, they're taking me to jail And at some point, they're going to find this thing in this unholy place that it should not be. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to distract them somehow, uh, point out the window, be like, whoa, what's that over there? And then try to remove this thing from my body and hide it inside the car. Uh, Not a good plan. It did not work well. Uh, The hidden bags, by the way, there were more than one, uh, were uh, found very quickly. I don't know who actually picked them up and how many gloves they wore. 32 grams in total uh, was hidden there. uh, And a chunk of purple powder also fell out of of that same spot for this guy. Uh, But again, he, I guess, avoided the cavity search uh, part of any sort of getting arrested uh, because he just, he did it for them. Uh, The cops uh, said the car was so messed up uh, with stuff in it that they uh, just decided to decommission it for three months and it's actually being professionally cleaned. That's my favorite part of the story. They're like, no, 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 no. You're not going to bring this to detail at once. This gets detailed multiple times for the next three months. And then we decide if we just rip everything out and start all over or if we go ahead and actually put it back into uh, use. I don't think they will. Who knows? But it's currently out of commission and is being professionally cleaned over and over again. Uh, Being a cop is hard. Uh, That's one of many demonstrations of the uniqueness of that gig. All right. I'm going to get out of here, as I said. Now, Dave Ramsey is coming up next on the show. Of course, we are on the station. Of course, we also have a Bradley basketball, uh, which happens a lot. We have a game. Uh, actually, is that tonight? Uh, so we might be going to Bradley basketball tonight. We're not going to Ramsey or maybe for a half an hour. And then we're going to do some Bradley. Looks like 635 is the pregame versus Southern Illinois. Uh, Seven o'clock is game time for Dave and Chad. So like a half hour or some Ramsey then into the pregame show. Is that right? Yes, as I've been saying all afternoon. I haven't been paying attention. That's, that's not good. <laughs> it is a senior night there, so oh, nice. final home game of the year. Senior night memories coming back for me. Well, there you go. Are you at a senior night? I had three, even though I played two sports. Okay. You played two sports in college? No, high school. Okay. All right. Football and baseball. Football was right. kind of sad, so was baseball, but I was honored on a senior night for being a super fan at Midland. I was impressed for a bit there, and now I, I don't want to respond to you saying some of it was sad. So we're just going to go, and then there's going to be Ramsey, and then there's going to be uh, the show uh, or the game, and I'm glad that I pay attention, TJ. Uh, 1470s and AM, 100.3s and FM, and everywhere on WMBD Radio.